expect our Lord said about the Holy Spirit, He will tell us of things to come. And so no believer should ever encounter a major event in their lives for which they were not prepared for, whether it be good or bad, because the Holy Spirit that resides within them knows everything. He's God. And so He knows everything that is uh, going to befall the life of the believer as I say, good or bad, he imparts that information to the spirit within us, our born-again spirit, and we can thus know uh, things to come because this, our Lord says he will tell you things to come. That's another role that the Holy Spirit plays in the life of the believer. He testifies of our Lord Jesus, John 15, 26. John 16, 14 says that he takes of everything belongs to our Lord Jesus and reveals that to us. And so the, the list of that which the Holy Spirit dwelling within us does for the, the born again believer is almost endless. Well, it, I suppose it is endless because it's God himself that dwells within us. And so as believers, we need to really learn to become acquainted with the Holy Spirit who dwells within each one of us. And thus we can also be led of him to steer clear from any encounters with the supernatural that are not from him. Because it, as I say, uh, that's really what this, the, the, the crux of this series is all about, is that we need to deal with all of the encounters that um, are scriptural so that we can benchmark those encounters against what can and does happen in the church today and from that point of view we can decide okay well this is not of God or this is of God. Another passage of scripture that just shows us a very important work that the Holy Spirit does in the lives of the born again believer. 2 Corinthians 3 verse 17 and 18. Now the Lord is the Spirit, speaking of our Lord Jesus, and where the Spirit of the Lord is there is liberty. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image by, from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. Now this is a very important work that the Holy Spirit does in every born-again believer. Don't forget, in today's teaching, we're dealing purely with our first encounter that we have with the Holy Spirit, which is the, the encounter that takes place when we are born again, born of the Spirit. This is a work that He begins in each one of us and He continues to do that work in each one of us until such a time as we depart from this life to be with our Lord Jesus Christ. So what is the work that He does? Romans 8.29, our Lord tells us through the, um, the Apostle Paul that God has predestined each one of us to be conformed into the image of His Son Jesus Christ. And so that is God's ultimate goal for every single saint, that each one of us should become more like Jesus with each and every passing day. And that's what this passage of Scripture is revealing to us, is that we, each one, are being, present tense, transformed from glory to glory, even into the image of His glory, Christ Jesus our Lord, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. So what the Holy Spirit does in the life of every born-again believer is that He takes them and he transforms them. This is a supernatural work that he does. And they become more like Jesus with each and every passing day. And so 
logically speaking, every believer, when they look back on their Christian lives, they should see a transition that has taken place in their lives, and they should see that they have become more like Jesus than what they were when they first came into the kingdom. Because if they're not, then they're not allowing the Holy Spirit to do the work that God said He would do, which is to transform us in this present age from glory to glory, even into the image of His glory. So how does the Holy Spirit do that? Well, in James 1, 23 to 25, the Bible teaches us that we look into the perfect law of liberty, which is the Word of God. And as we do, and as we are doers of the Word, and not hearers only, it is that through that mechanism that God is able by His Spirit to transform us from glory to glory, even into the image of His glory, Christ Jesus. And so it's as we spend time in the Word of God, looking into the mirror of His Word, because that's what the Scripture says in verse 18, but we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. So where, when you look into a mirror, you're looking at a reflection of yourself. And what we're looking at as Christians, we're looking at a reflection of the glory of the Lord that indwells us. And as we behold that glory, that the Holy Spirit can then transform us from glory to glory, even into the image of His glory, which is Christ Jesus. And he, if you go read the context of that passage, he's saying, he's doing the comparative between Moses, who went up on the Mount, Mount Sinai for 80 days, two, two stints of 40 each, and he came down and his physical appearance had actually been changed because he had been beholding the glory of the Lord. And because of that, Paul brings that over to the new and he says, how much more shouldn't our glory be um, revealed through us, the glory of God, that is, as we are changed from glory to glory. And so that's a very important work that the Holy Spirit does in each one of the born-again believers. Another aspect with regards to this encounter that we have with the Holy Spirit when we are born again is in John's Gospel, chapter 4, verse 13 and 14. Jesus answered and said to her, Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. And so our Lord Jesus, in this passage of Scripture, um, is talking about the Holy Spirit that takes place. The analogy he uses is water, and that analogy is referring to the person of the Holy Spirit. And this passage of Scripture, our Lord is talking about when we are born again. What happens is the Holy Spirit becomes within our spirit a fountain of living water. And that fountain springs up to eternal life forever, never to ever cease Again, we always have this fountain of living water on the inside of us. Now, the fountain that our Lord is talking about in this passage is that this is the fountain that blesses the life of the believer. And that's one of the differences that we will pick up now when, when we carry on in the series uh, to our subsequent encounters that we have with the Holy Spirit, such as the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which is our second encounter, and then all the subsequent encounters thereafter. This particular encounter, our first encounter with the Holy Spirit, 
blesses the life of the believer and not those of people around them. Now, others around them do get blessed indirectly as the believer's life is changed to become more and more like Jesus. Because obviously, as their character changes, so those living around them um, are blessed because they become more like Jesus. But nevertheless, the, the Holy Spirit, that the, our first encounter that we have with the Holy Spirit, where He takes up residence on the inside of our spirits, all of that blesses the life of the believer and not blesses, it does not bless the lives directly of individuals around them. As I say, indirectly it does, but there's no direct blessing that occurs. And that's why he talks about this fountain. Because the fountain dwelling within the believer is for their own benefit. It quenches their thirst um, of, of eternal life. He says, the, whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. Uh, because that water is a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. So that blesses the life of the believer. It does not quench the thirst of others around them. It quenches their thirst alone. And it's also something that's very important for us to get a, a hold of and recognize. That we have this eternal fountain of living water on the inside of us. Every born again believer has that. And so you hear many uh, Christians say they just feel dry on the inside. And they, 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 the Christian walk is a dry walk and they, they look to go elsewhere to receive a blessing. And they look for others to be able to impart into them um, refreshing because their Christian walk has become dry and dull and boring and there's no life there. Well, that's a very dangerous place for the Christian to be in because Jesus never taught us that when if we become dry and thirsty, that we're to go look for another well to drink from. Because he said to us, we're to drink from the fountain that is within us. And so it is up to the, the saint to learn how to drink from their own well. Because if they go seeking after others to impart something to them that can refresh them, well, that's unscriptural. And they open themselves up to things that Satan will accommodate them with supernatural experiences but are in fact not of God. And so we are to always look internally to quench our thirst of living water because it is the fountain that dwells within us that quenches the thirst that we have for this living water. Very important point that we need to, to learn because as I say there are many Christians and because they feel dry they don't, and they don't real. They don't, they don't get taught how to drink from their fountain of living water that is within them. The Holy Spirit dwells within them, and He is an eternal fountain of living water. And because they don't know how to drink from that water, they look for external sources, and that is unscriptural, and that opens the door for our enemy. And then there's one further aspect for the dwelling indwelling of the Holy Spirit that takes place when we only experience the first encounter with the Holy Spirit when we are born again. And that is that we have no tangible um, proof that we have the Holy Spirit residing on the inside of us other than a changed lifestyle. There's nothing tangible on the inside. There's nothing that the saint can really say, well, that's the Holy Spirit. And thus they do not enjoy the, the guarantee that is given to the saints 
when they are sealed with the Holy Spirit through the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We'll have a look at that in more detail as we get into this series. That's in Ephesians 1, 13 and 14. And so because they have no tangible, and when I say tangible, I'm talking about when the Holy Spirit, when a saint is filled with the Holy Spirit, there is tangible evidence that they have the Holy Spirit um, dwelling on the inside and that they are filled with the Holy Spirit. And because they have this tangible um, evidence, they have this guarantee. Now, saints that are born again, who only um, encounter the Holy Spirit through that, uh, their first encounter, and never progress to a second or third or, or many subsequent encounters after that, they are excluded from this blessing that is available to the body of Christ. And so, although they, they, they know they have the Holy Spirit on the inside of them, and they have this assurance on the inside of them. It is still by faith and faith alone that they know they have or believe they have the Holy Spirit on the inside of them. They have no tangible evidence that the Holy Spirit, in fact, has is residing on the inside of them. And so that is a doctrine that is taught to many in the church, that there is only this one encounter, that when you're born again, the Holy Spirit... You're, you're baptized at that time in the Holy Spirit and He takes up residence inside of you and that's it. There is no subsequent experiences that you can encounter with the Holy Spirit. There is no such thing as a baptism of the Holy Spirit, being filled with the Holy Spirit. There is no such and speaking with other tongues, for, for example. And there's no such thing as the gifts of the Holy Spirit being made manifest. All of that has been done away with a lot of these um, teachers teach. Now, most of them, in fact not all, I would imagine all of them, are not false teachers. They just teach error. Um, and the reason they teach error is because they've never been taught correctly themselves. And so they perpetuate the error that is taught to uh, vast numbers in the body of Christ. That this is it. Your first encounter is your only encounter and you never will ever have another encounter with the Holy Spirit. That's the end of the story. And so um, the teachers that teach that doctrine, which is a, an erroneous doctrine, um, deny the, the body of Christ from the blessing that, that the Lord has in fact uh, given to His church by the person of the Holy Spirit. And as we get into the series, we'll get understand in more depth, obviously, the different encounters that we can have with the Holy Spirit. And so it's sad, but that's the, the case. But there are um, ministers of the gospel who uh, I, I know personally of one, who a Baptist minister for 30 years proclaimed that there was no such thing as the baptism of the Holy Spirit was speaking with other tongues. And he actual, in actual fact spoke against and said it was the work of the devil until what such a time as God got a hold of him and he was filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues. And obviously he changed because now he was being exposed to the full counsel of God and he could then proclaim the full truth of God to the church. But for 30 years of his ministry, he, he taught against it because he didn't believe it. And so there are, and there are very, very well-known ministers in the church, uh, well-known ministers worldwide, who teach against any further encounters with the Holy Spirit. Um, and we will see, because as I said, the, the, this, the series is designed to help the saint to understand biblically about the errors that have come into the church because it is through the subsequent encounters that 
saints get exposed to that error does creep into the church and so um, saints that are exposed to the supernatural through the baptism of the Holy Spirit and then subsequent encounters thereafter do a lot of them do get caught up in error and when they get caught up in error they get into excesses and because they get into excesses um, the ministers of the gospel that say to us or say to the church there is only this first encounter and nothing thereafter they look at the excesses that take place in the church amongst believers who are charismatic, who are Pentecostal for argument's sake. And they say, look, you see, that's the reason why we're saying that there is no such thing as further encounters. Because look at the excesses that they get into. And there's a lot uh, and a lot of error. And so they are the ones, by and large, when these excesses take place, who condemn those practices and so you find that the the ministers of the gospel that teach that there is only the first encounter and nothing thereafter are very um, judgmental against fellow believers who have experienced the second encounter the baptism of the holy spirit and who have gone on to experience further encounters they're very judgmental of them and they they condemn them and they say that is error as i mentioned the the uh, pastor friend of mine who's since gone, be, gone to be with the Lord, um, he also preached against it as being of the devil. And so, you know, how much condemnation can you, can you bring on for the other believers that get involved with it and saying, well, they're doing a practice that is of the devil. And so, as I say, they are very judgmental. And especially when the excesses appear, and there are excesses, and we do need to learn to bring the balance because that's what Satan does. He either takes the saint to the extreme on the left or the extreme on the right. God's gospel is always in the middle. The extreme on the left in this instance is that there is only one encounter with the Holy Spirit and that's when you're born again. After that, nothing else. The other extreme that Satan likes to then take saints into is to get off into all sorts of weird supernatural phenomena. Now, that is also not of God. And so, when that occurs, then the ministers who say there is only this one encounter um, justify their standpoint by pointing to the excesses and to the error that the extreme um, members of the body of Christ get into. And say, so, see, because we told you this is not right, look at what they're doing, and that proves our point that there is no such thing as the baptism of the Holy Spirit or gifts of the Holy Spirit. There is only this encounter with the Holy Spirit. But God in His mercy, because what happens is those ministers of the gospel um, have been taken captive by Satan and they are used by Satan to perpetuate his lie on this extreme, that there is no such thing as the baptism of the Holy Spirit or gifts of the Holy Spirit uh, or any subsequent encounters with the Holy Spirit. Um, Satan likes to keep them in that camp because... And, put that lie out to the church because he knows if he can prevent the saints from having subsequent encounters with the Holy Spirit, well then the church becomes pretty much ineffectual in destroying his works because as we will see it's by the power of the Holy Spirit and in fact the works of the devil are in fact destroyed. But God in his mercy does from time to time take one of those ministers and reveal the truth to him and allow him to repent and thus they then begin to proclaim the full gospel. And so definitely, as we will see in this series as we go into it, there are, there's the first encounter when we're born again. 
There is the second encounter when we're baptized with the Holy Spirit and there are subsequent encounters. And we'll deal with each one of those encounters and how we are to cooperate with the Holy Spirit in those encounters and thus not get caught up into excesses and the um, deception that Satan would try to bring into the church through having encounters with the supernatural. But we're going to end the teaching on today's point on that.